Nope. I don't know. You know, I'm going to have to resource that. I'll, I'll look into that. That reminds me of the when I was trying to tell you why a spoonful of sugar cures hiccups. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Still don't know why. But it does. Yeah. Sure so, does. We got hiccups. <laughs> and we know how to cure them. Yeah. We don't know why it works. But Mary Poppins was right. I know. Spoonful of sugar. Oh, ex- except that was medicine goes down. Yes. Cures the I feel fantastic. And I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day. When I felt the way that I do right now. Right now. I feel fantastic. And I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day. When I felt the way that I do right now. Right now. Right now. Welcome to Mental Health Moment. I'm Emily. I'm Amanda. And Amanda is gracious enough to hang out with me today. We are going to be talking about her journey and what it's looked like for her to discover her mental health stuff. We'll call it stuff. We always call it stuff. It's great. Yeah, we'll call it stuff. And then just how her journey's kind of unfolded since she's she's been on this journey for a few years now. Mm-hmm. So we are, we, again, the royal we, we are excited you are here. So super excited. So Amanda, let's yes. hear about your story. So tell us, tell me a little bit about like, how long have you lived with knowing you have mental health issues? I'm glad you put that knowing in there because it's kind of that thing where you always, I think that I've always kind of dealt with it. Um, but it really only started unfolding for me when I was about 23. I was going through a divorce and I was trying to figure things out there. And little did I know that the divorce was the least of my problems. So it was about... That's like a dun dun dun. <laughs> right? It's that thing where let's like fix this problem. But as soon as you fix that, you know, there's going to be something else buried oh. under there that you didn't know existed. So I've been on my mental health journey for about nine years now. Okay. Nine years. Let's tie it into a few questions. Okay. Okay. So how did you go about accessing resources and finding a diagnosis that kind of fit you the best? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, kind of what led me, the resources that I used at the time, my aunt was a secretary at a clinic. And so I kind of used that resource kind of just deal with, um, the emotions that I was feeling through, through my divorce. I'm the type of person where I grew up very much dissociating and not feeling my feelings. So when I felt a lot and I just felt like I was always on edge and just super anxious all the time. So she really helped me see that I should probably go talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. So I actually started going to somebody where she worked and seeing somebody there, it was through that that um, my therapist at that time suggested I did go talk to a physician and see if I could get a diagnosis of depression or anxiety because he felt that that's what I uh, had at the time. And it it was that I had depression and anxiety. Later, I mean, ADHD came into it and things like that. But at that time, it was a diagnosis through my first therapist that I had depression and anxiety. So that was a really good um, thing for me where I was able to see a familiar face when I went to therapy with my aunt and then um, be able to start that understanding of 
what my brain did and yeah how it acts so for those who aren't familiar with like dissociating uh because that actually happens a lot to quite a few people um what what does dissociating what was it like for you like how would you explain dissociation so for me i would shut off my emotions so i would not allow myself to feel And that meant I didn't allow myself to feel anything. I didn't really feel happiness. I didn't really feel sadness. I kind of just, it was almost like I blockaded myself in a room and acted like I, I put on a show of emotion rather than actually feeling emotion. Um, and it had to be, like you mimicked, like, mm -hmm. this is sad. This yeah. situation said I so. laughed when it was appropriate. Oh. I cried when it was appropriate. I sh tried to show empathy when it was appropriate, even though the feelings didn't go very further down than just surface level. Huh. Um, and it took something like really big. Um, I remember like when my sister moved away, that was a big emotion. And that was what actually came into. And I felt that sense of loss from my sister moving far away. Did you make an active choice in shutting down your emotions or did it just happen naturally? Because I've heard of both. Yeah, it just ha for me, I think it just happened naturally. There are some things in my past that I went through that I think um, as a young person developing your emotional matureness, just it, it took me in that direction where it just naturally happened and I didn't realize it was happening. Well, so, so from the time that you were a wee little one, right, yep. um, some negative stuff had happened and, and that just kind of altered your perception on, on how to do emotion stuff. Yeah. So when I was younger, what I went through, it just kind of, it was easier for me not to feel. So I learned how, how to actively not feel, even though it was a subconscious choice. And gotcha. so it had to take a big emotion or an overwhelming emotion for me to actually feel something. And then at that point, like everything came in. So I almost acted like I, it almost was like, I wasn't the same person because I was feeling and acting on all the emotions that were coming in because one emotion came in. So it was like feeling all the feels all yeah. at once. And then, then, and then as soon as my walls went back up, I went like back to, okay, well I, I don't have to feel anymore. Oh, <laughs> and back to that acting. So I, I, there was very much stages in my early life up until a couple years ago that I, I was that very high up and down, but now I can more regulate it and I can see when my walls are coming up and I can kind of like, okay, no, I need to at least feel a little bit mm -hmm. and I can regulate it better now that I know what's going on. Yeah. So this initial therapist, you know, was initially like, Hey, I think you have some depression and anxiety going on. Um, then what happened with your journey? Like, where did it go from there? So once I kind of figured out what was going on with my divorce, um, it was at that point because, and I still don't, and I, I'm probably not a rare case. I'm sure that this happens to other people, but, um, I went in for help with my divorce and that is when I remembered that I had some trauma in my childhood. And, yeah. um, because of that, I, that's where all of this emotional and the walls came up and came into play. Um, and it was, it was him that actually helped me say, oh, it was the trigger that said, oh, something happened. And I still don't really remember all that happened. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's been a very interesting thing. I'm very much, 
I need to have all the pieces of the puzzle. I want to see the full picture. I want to have all the answers. And so kind of that logical analytical (laughs) mindset, right? Very much so. So when I don't have the answers or I don't know what's going to happen, kind of drives me crazy. Yeah. Better now, but it still kind (laughs) of drives me crazy. Um, And so it was weird for me because I didn't remember. And I was like, well, if I don't remember, then maybe it didn't happen. Uh, And so that's been a large part of my journey is, well, did it really happen? Because I can't remember it. And so I don't have the picture. I can't see it. Mm -hmm. So did it really happen? But so that's been a long thing of trying to like say, no, you know, my story is my story. It happened. Let's deal with it. And I think there's, well, there's such power in that. Just that statement right there. Like my story is my story because it's like, look, like maybe I don't have all the pieces and that is so hard for me because I need all the pieces in my journey, but it doesn't make my story any less valid because I'm missing pieces. Yeah. And I found that like when I, when I was telling my parents about what happened when in my childhood, it was very much, um, interesting to see like my mom's reaction who my mom doesn't need all the pieces. She kind of just goes with the flow and she, she's a very trusting and warm person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to see my dad's reaction where it was more towards mine is okay. Where are the, where are all the pieces? And it was, yeah, it was, weird for me to kind of see both of them deal with it as I talked about it. Um, and then me deal with it and kind of see my personalities in both of them. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to kind of take a step back and as you told them in your process and about that trauma, just to see their reactions be like, Oh, that came from you. That came from you. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So it, it, it was pretty cool for me to see that in, in my parents and like, cause I've always thought that I'm, I'm more like my dad. Yeah. And it was very cool to see, okay, no, I do have some of my mom in there. Mm. What happened next? <laughs> um, well, me being me, I am a very stubborn person. Um, oh. and I, um, <laughs> Here And this kind of goes into uh, something that I was thinking about bringing up a little bit later, but um, I get in my way a lot. (laughs) Like self-sabotage? Kinda. And like, so I was going to a therapist and um, it got to the point where I was trying to budget. I'm an accountant. So I was trying to budget everything and I was trying to... Numbers, numbers, (laughs) numbers. And I I was at that point where I was like living paycheck to paycheck. I was using everything that I was spending and, or I was using everything that I was making. And it came to the point where I was like, okay, I have to cut out some things. Yeah. But so therapy was one of those things that I cut out Uh instead of prioritizing my mental health. I was like, I'll just deal with it on my own. And so that was something that I, I got in my way a lot because I didn't think that mental health was a priority. I could just deal with it on my own which was a very wrong thought to have. Like I initially just wanted to be like, so how'd it go? (laughs) It did not go well. (laughs) Um, Because uh, again, I'm very stubborn. And I went through during this period where I was like, no, I don't need a therapist. I don't need to talk to anybody. I also went through a period where I was like, I don't need medication. (laughs) Mm. And so Mm -hmm. it was this whole big thing because what I didn't realize is that, so I was on a medication 
And it worked for a while, but then it, like, took me back into that numb place where I had to fake emotion. Oh. And so then I moved to a different thing, but that just made me, like, jittery and just, it did not work. And so I was like, after two medications, I was like, screw this. I don't care anymore. (laughs) I don't want to do it. And so I was like, I gave up on that because I was like, it just won't work for me. Mm -hmm. Which is completely the wrong thing. I, I have noticed that we tend to get in our own way a lot. Yes. And if one medication doesn't work, you know, unfortunately, we as humans are unique and medications don't work for all of us the same way as they work for other people. Yeah. And so it is very much trial and error mm-hmm. and you have to make it a priority to see what works for you. And kind of, and I love that you brought that out because I think so many of us, you know, it's like, okay, so I'll go to the doctor. I'll try, I'll try a med. Right. And, and then it's just like, oh, it doesn't really work for me. And so instead of going and trying something else that may just have a slightly different chemistry in it initially, I mean, we just make kind of this blanket statement of like, well, meds didn't work, (laughs) you know? And I know I've done that in my own journey too, of like, of like, look, I'm still sad or I'm still really depressed. So meds just don't work. Well, I just needed a different medication. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah. Oh, meds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and the thing that I found out later, um, just recently, a couple, like a year or so ago is that I also have ADHD, which ADHD in and of itself, um, makes some medicines work backwards. Mm. So I have, sometimes I have a hard time sleeping and and sleep medication actually keeps me awake instead of putting me to sleep in that. And that's just the mental chemistry of my brain. Some medications work backwards. Yeah. And so it's finding that right medicine that your body accepts. And, and the other thing is, is that I found is that when originally when I was on, um, medication, they were giving me too high of a dose. Like what I'm on now is very low and it helps, but it, it would actually be worse and do worse things if I was on a higher dose. Because at that higher dose, you numbed out. Yeah. Okay. And so for me, where my depression is, I guess, I don't know, I think it's on a borderline of severe and regular, uh-huh. a lower medication helps me better than uh-huh. a higher one. I love that you brought that up too, um, because I think a lot of people are like, well, if I take meds, then I'm just... I'm just blocking the pain or I'm just like, you know what I mean? Like numbing out or whatever. But, but the point of meds, at least from like where I understand it and let me know what you think, um, is it's not to numb something out. It's not to get rid of emotions. It helps the brain's chemistry be able to handle the emotions. Right. And so we can process them and we can heal instead of being just so much in our head because our chemistry in our brain isn't what it needs to be. Right. Well, and then the other misconception is that depression medicine will make it so that you're never sad. I am, I am very much sometimes sad. I am, I, I'm just like any other person where I have my ups and downs and I have my really good days and I have my really bad days, but it, it helps me not, it helps my really bad days not get me in a hole where I have to take weeks to climb out. It's more like, okay, I'm, I'm sad for a couple hours, but then I'm okay. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's like you have that, a down day or a down hour versus a down week, month, year. Right. And so like, I think that is the very much misconception is that 
well, I'm just, if I'm on this medicine, I'm supposed to always be happy. That is completely wrong. Right. It's just, you can handle it. And you, you, yeah, I love that. Yeah. So in accessing resources, you know, you went to a therapist, you worked with your medical, your primary care provider, um, in all these things that kind of had to happen in your journey, what was the most helpful for you? Um, finding the right therapist. Mm. Uh, that's, that's the biggest thing because I think that when I started going to therapy again, I started going to a therapist that, as we've said before, I'm very logical. I can't do this like outside of my body. Imagine your emotions as a color thing. Like that just doesn't work for me. Right. Um, and my first therapist coming back was very much like that. And so I would find myself going to therapy and then being like, just dreading it, getting super anxious about going to therapy. And then when I was leaving, I would get super frustrated because I'd be like, that didn't help. Nothing. I just didn't feel like I was listened to. Yeah. And so the most helpful thing for me was recognizing that Mm -hmm. and then saying, you know, not, not being afraid to say, you know what? You're just not the person for me. Mm -hmm. I need to find somebody else. Was that scary for you? Absolutely. <laughs> because, I mean, because, like, even me as a therapist, like, if, when I've had to advocate for my own mental health, I'm like, but I can't tell them that they were right, <laughs> even though that's what I hope my clients advocate for them. Yeah. You know, like, if, if we're not a good fit, find somebody else who is. Yeah. Right? I have a very, like, large sense of guilt, which I've had to deal with as well. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I did feel like when I was going, I was, I was like, well, she's going to she's gonna feel bad and she's going to feel like I don't like her. And she's going to, like, I felt very guilty mm-hmm. about any negative emotion that she would feel. Oh. But I was projecting, right? Yeah. She might not have felt that. She might have felt the way that, yeah, please find somebody else. But I think the other thing is, is that you have to find a therapist that knows how to teach the way that you learn, but also to push you. And so like, if I went to somebody who are strictly logical and just had me do like A, B, and C and put it in a line, I don't think that that would work. I had to, I had to personally have a mix of, okay, I know you're logical and I know you don't want to do this, but let's just try it. Let's see what happens (laughs) type thing. And so it, it really is finding what's best for you but not finding someone that's going to keep you in your comfort zone. How did you know when you found like the right one? I kind of feel like we're in like, say yes to the dress, like, <laughs> say yes to the therapist and Ooh, patent pending future game show. <laughs> See, and that's the thing is that it's so cliche that when you know, you know, mm. but it's like, if, if you go into your therapist and you find it easy to be vulnerable. Like, cause that's the most important thing when you're going to therapy is yeah. to be vulnerable, be open to what they say, be open to trying new things, be open to their criticism. Um, and then, so finding someone that when they're telling some, you something hard and something that you don't want to hear, you still accept it. Yeah. And so it, it's something, it's someone that you go in and you find it easy to disclose your deepest, darkest things. You find it a safe space. You find it easy to just be the most authentic you you can. And it may not happen the first time. It may take a couple weeks. But when you find that rhythm where you look forward to therapy, where you look forward to finding those hard things, to discussing those hard things, and then to 
like see the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. That's, that's when I, that's when I knew that I found my therapist is that it was easy to go. And I always felt at least some sense of accomplishment leaving. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. (laughs) So most helpful for you was finding the right therapist and finding the right medication. Yep. Um, what about least helpful? Cause I know some people are out there kind of like, do I go to therapy? Do I work on my mental health stuff? Like, <laughs> you know, it's like a whole big world, right? Yeah. Well, and we kind of already touched on it. The least helpful was trying to do it myself, trying to be stubborn and be like, I don't need anybody but me. I'm indivi- I'm an individual and independent woman. I could do it all myself. And then, yeah. and then like I saw, said, I did go to that, my original therapist for a lot longer than I think I should because I was so frustrated. And I knew after the first like month or so going to her that it just wasn't working. And I continued to go because I had that fear of, I don't want to hurt her feelings. Mm. So that was definitely, it, it did take me a step back in continuing to try and just force myself to make that work. Yeah. So another part of that, that I really like is, you know, you did give it more than one session, you know, and I think when finding a therapist or looking for that therapist, we, we want to make sure that we're at least giving it a few weeks, like a month, like yeah. two to four weeks, like, and really see if it's your own stuff that you're self-sabotaging and getting in the way, or if it's not the right fit. Right. I think like, and with that is like the first session, you can't really tell in the first session. Cause the first session, your, your therapist is getting to know you and it's kind of just the, uh, word vomit of this is what's going on. Here's my stuff. <laughs> um, and so it does take a couple weeks to know, but I went to that therapist for a good four or five months where after the first two, I just, I knew it wasn't the right fit because I wasn't getting out of it what she thought I was. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it is making sure that you're not just stopping a therapist because you don't like what they're saying to you yeah. or if it truly is your method isn't what I need. Yeah. Because I think that if, if a therapist tells you something and you don't want to hear it and you're like, well, I just don't like them because they didn't tell me what I wanted to hear, then you're not really open to therapy. Uh, and, and it's hard to be open to therapy. It's hard to be open to feedback to, to really like look at our own stuff. You know, I know that when I started my own therapy again, just a few months ago, like, you know, my therapist would give me feedback and I'd be like, but I want to blame someone else for this. I don't want to look at my part. Like I want somebody else to like, you know, and they're like, well, just like you tell your clients, you can only fix yourself. And I'm like, you know, but, but it was just so helpful to, to know the process of like, no, you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable in therapy and just knowing that that's a process. Yeah. And like me, I, I'm a control freak. I realize this wholeheartedly and I'm doing what I can to like healthily work against it, but I'm a control (laughs) freak. And that was my biggest thing is I had to relinquish control. I couldn't control what people around me did or what people around me thought. And, and that was the biggest thing for me is like, I would project, okay, well, they think this, well, no, I don't know what they think. They're not me and I can't control what they think. So I need to stop worrying about it. Mm. And that was a big thing for me is to relinquish control of 
others' perceptions of me or my thought of what their perceptions are of me. That's hard. <laughs> I'm like, mm, girl, yeah, I feel you. <laughs> Yeah. So for you, what do you feel that would be important for other people to kind of just know and, you know, all the things? And like we kind of touched on all of them is be vulnerable in therapy. Be just be vulnerable and don't give up. That's, that's the biggest thing. And for me, like I was extremely lucky where the second therapist that I went to was my fit, but the second therapist might not work and you might have to try a third or a fourth or a fifth, but that's, that's the thing. And then make sure that you make your mental health a priority. Don't give yourself an excuse. Oh, it's too expensive. Oh, I don't have time. Oh, like every, don't make an excuse. Make sure that you are making your mental health a priority Mm -hmm. and just don't give up. Keep working, keep trying new things. And remember that you are not someone else. For me, like I said, certain medications don't work for me. Mm-hmm. The normal ADHD medication doesn't work for me. Yeah. I have to find other avenues. And you are uniquely you. And something is going to work for you that might probably won't work for everybody else. Because okay. it's who you are. And and be true to you. If you do strongly feel about something, like stand up for yourself. But then also don't be too afraid to try something different than normal. Such good words of wisdom. (laughs) I'm just like, yep, yep, yep. (laughs) Uh, Anything else maybe that we didn't cover or that you want to say about your journey or kind of life, et cetera? Uh, I think like the biggest thing is to push yourself Um, and, and to not, not get lost. I, one of my favorite sayings and, um, one of my friends that I was in a group with quite a while ago said this to me, and I've always kept it with me that working on yourself is kind of like spring cleaning. You have to make a bigger mess before you can start organizing it. So you're, you're, when you first start therapy, you are going to be pulling everything off the shelves of your brain and making this giant pile in the middle of the floor. Mm -hmm. That's going to be an enormous mess. And then when you start putting things away, you'll probably find other things to make that mess even bigger. But eventually you'll climb out of it and you'll be organized and you will have that light and you will have the resources you need. Um, one of the things that I've just recently noticed is that when I was started to go into therapy, my therapist's office was my safe space. And now my safe space is me. I can have my safe space with me all the time because I have the tools and resources to deal with life and what it throws at me. Yeah. Oh, that makes my therapist heart so happy. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, that's like, oh, gold star moment, right? (laughs) I love that. Um, And I I love that analogy, too, of of it's going to be a mess. You know, it's totally like that show tidying up, you know, that's on Netflix right <laughs> yes. now, like Marie Kondo, all the things and put it in the middle. And then it's like, and it does look overwhelming, but as you go through that process, you find I've been holding on to so much stuff. Well, and it's that self-awareness. And as, as you go through your journey and as you travel through the, all of this, you're going to be so much more self-aware. Um, like I said, my coping mechanism is to close off and don't feel and dissociate and kind of just like push the world away. 
And now that I'm self-aware, I can tell when I'm being overwhelmed or if I'm overstressed because I start to retreat back into that hole, back into um, just walling off everything and not feeling. And so that's my indicator of, oh, I need to do a little bit more self-care. I need to figure out my crap because something's going on. Mm -hmm. And by recognizing that, I'm better able to deal with my family, deal with my work situations, and then kind of regulate what I'm feeling rather than just going back into that, I'm not going to feel. Yeah. It just makes so much sense to just be like, okay, for a while you have to make a big mess. Yep. But prioritizing your mental health is going to help sort it all out. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And there's always going to be an excuse not to. I am the queen of excuses. I can find an (laughs) excuse to not do pretty much anything. Yeah. But it's not going to get better unless you do it. Truth. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, So please remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, iTunes, and Google Play. Mm -hmm. Also, we'd like to thank Jonathan Colton for the music. And we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. I feel fantastic. And I never felt as good as I would do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day. When I felt the way that I do right now. Right now. I feel fantastic. And I never felt as good as how I do right now. Except for maybe when I think of how I felt that day. When I felt the way that I do right now. Right now.